0: Good to see you again. Thank you to all of our veterans. We appreciate you. And uh, I'm sorry, I lost my microphone. Here we go. Matthew chapter number 10, Luke chapter number 12. I don't know how this message is going to go this morning. I don't want to preach. I'm going to try to suppress my preaching, and I'm going to even try to suppress my teaching if there was ever a message that I wanted to use to just speak to your heart, it's like this morning I would just prefer us to have a fireside chat as we look at some things from the Bible. Matthew 10, Luke chapter number 12. Let me ask you a question while you find your place. How many people do we have this morning of our original church when I started here in 2010? If you remember this church then, raise your hand. Amen. Look how our church has grown. Isn't that wonderful? So here's what I'm going to do. The reason I ask that question is the Lord's impressed it on my heart to go back and preach some vintage messages that I preached 10, 12 years ago. I'm going to be lifting out some of those messages and preaching them as the Lord lays it on my heart because a lot of people have not heard some of my evangelistic messages. So here we go. I'm going to preach you a message entitled, The Fifth Sparrow. The fifth sparrow. What in the world, what kind of message is that? Let's begin reading in, in verse uh, number 28 of Matthew chapter number 10 first. that Jesus is saying here, he says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now watch this. Let's do some biblical math. Are you ready? Put your thinking cap on. Two sparrows are sold for a farthing, right? Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for one farthing? And not one of them shall fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Jesus is attempting here to convey the value, not he's not showing us that he knows the hairs of our head because of his knowledge. He's showing us that because he places value on us. Are y'all with me? Jesus is teaching us the value of life. And he's teaching us that he uses an example of a sparrow. A sparrow is a generic term in the Bible for a small bird. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 5. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 5. So two sparrows are sold for one farthing. But here's some different math for you. Luke 12:5. There's this companion passage. The Bible says in Luke 12:5, "But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him after he hath killed, uh, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. But watch this: Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings?" And not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for ye are of more value than many sparrows. Again, Jesus is using some small birds to teach us a value lesson. So if two sparrows brought one farthing, four sparrows should bring two farthings. Are you all with me? But here in Luke 12... Five sparrows bring two farthings. What is the value of the fifth sparrow? Zero. The fifth sparrow was thrown in for a bargain. It's worthless. It's like, buy four, get one free. Even though, And a farthing is a half a cent. So we're talking about four small birds worth one penny... And one bird is absolutely worthless. The Bible is teaching us a very important lesson here. Let's pray. Father, would you take your word now and speak to my heart, first of all. And Father, I pray you'd let me speak to the hearts of our people this morning. Our value systems have gotten askewed, and I pray you'd correct that in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see this is a buy 4 get 1 free. Men counted this one bird as worthless. These things were so plentiful and so cheap that you could sell them 5 for the price of 4. And may I say to you God has a different value system than man. We learn to value things. We a human being values things that makes us comfortable. Money makes us comfortable, a home makes us comfortable, vehicles make us comfortable. We value those things, and the Bible says that what man hath highly esteemed, God thinks it's an abomination. Our value system does not match God's value system. He has a different. Our cost of living goes up. We go to the store and we find our, our, the value of bread goes up. We find our money loses value. Every, all the values that you and I deal with change, but this morning God's values never change. He still values morals. He still values men. He runs on a different value system. As a matter of fact, he said in verse number seven, you are of more value than many sparrows. So God, in one verse, teaches us that people are more important than animals. Now, our society's got it backwards. They'll kill a baby and save a spotted owl. They'll kill, a, uh, they'll kill a, a baby and save a whale. God's value system is different. He values human beings. God help us to line up. Seventy years ago, we placed so much value on human life that if you killed a baby, you'd go to jail. And now it seems that human beings, like the fifth sparrow, are plentiful and worthless. Nine billion of us inhabit this planet and it seems like that governments and politicians look down and say, we need, to, we need to thin this out. We've got too many. And sometimes you and I are going to feel worthless, like we're just thrown in for a deal. Let's buy four we'll get one free. <laughs> so today our, our systems have changed. Let me ask you a question before I move on. What do you value? Money, possessions, notoriety, social status. Man, again, values what makes him comfortable. What he can attain. But God's value system says this. God didn't say, what can I get? He said, what can I give? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He provided. Oh, listen. The Bible says about birds, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor do they reap. They neither have storehouses nor do they have barns, but God feedeth them. How much better are ye than fowls? And so God is teaching us again the value system. If God values things, you can better believe that Satan wants to cheapen things. Everything that God values, Satan wants to cheapen it and make it worthless. I think of Cain in the Bible as we look at three quick examples. Cain in the Bible, he valued a pious relationship. He wanted everybody to think he was religious, so he offered this beautiful garden to God as a sacrifice, and it wasn't good enough for God because God required blood. And Cain valued his garden and his religion so much that he killed his brother Abel because Abel offered a blood sacrifice. Cain got his value system so messed up that he murdered. I think of Esau, his birthright was sold. He had a birthright. And he not only had a birthright, he had a blessing. Those were spiritual things. And he sold, he valued a bowl of pottage so much that he sold his birthright and his blessing. He sold out his spiritual things for a bowl of pottage. I wonder how much and how often we sell out our spiritual things for just a bowl of pottage. How often we sell out the things of God so cheaply. I think of Absalom as Absalom sold out his character. He his integrity. He sold out his family because Absalom wanted to rule. He wanted to rise up and rule the kingdom so much that he would even displace his father and run his father off of the throne so that he could rule. He valued himself He valued his career. He valued his notoriety. He valued authority over his very Father. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus values us. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a different value system. I'm going to give you seven examples quickly of a fifth sparrow. How much was the fifth sparrow worth? Nothing. Seven fifth sparrows. The first one we're going to go to the nursing home. She's in a nursing home. Her husband died. These are all real examples. Her husband died a few years ago and the brick home that they worked for all of their life was sold so that she could have the finances to stay and to pay the expenses. Nothing is left of her but a worn-out body. Her mind left a few years ago. It doesn't function anymore. She once cared for ten children, and now ten children cannot care for one. She's a fifth sparrow. She's counted as worthless. And then one night, while nobody's there, The family's not there. The health care workers are all busy. She slips away to heaven. Nobody was there but Jesus. I'm glad when nobody values us, when nobody places any worth on us, he's still there. He never left her. He never forsook her. He was with her all the way, though nobody else saw her worth and her value, though her what she had done had been forgotten. He remembered. Right. I think of the little story I used to hear of the little man who used to pray, and, and his name was Jimmy. And when he prayed, they mocked him because he prayed like this. Every prayer he started with was, "Jesus, it's Jimmy." Jesus, it's Jimmy. They mocked him. And finally, when he died, he heard the words, Jimmy, it's Jesus. Thank God he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I think of Lazarus who laid at the rich man's gate. Lazarus was a street person living in a cardboard box. Lazarus was considered a vagrant, a panhandler, a bum, homeless. He was valueless to society. While the rich man, I'm sure, was valued because he could donate to the local charities. And the rich man, I'm sure, had a business and could be a blessing. And yet, when they both died, Lazarus was carried to the bosom of Abraham in heaven. God had a different value system. May I remind us of something that I have already said. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. <laughs> I want to remind us that Jesus himself sailed all the way across the Sea of Galilee to heal a man who was living not in a cardboard box. He was living in a graveyard. Did you realize that homeless people are now taking up abode in graveyards and in graves to get warmth? And Jesus sailed all the way across the Sea of Galilee, walked into a graveyard and healed a man who was full of death Demons. One person. Let's leave the nursing home and let's leave the graveyard and now let's go down the road to the prison. There's a man in prison. He has a name. I'll give you his initials. His initials are J.S. 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 was born to good parents. He's now labeled as a felon. He wears the the prison clothes of a felon. He was charged and, rightfully so, convicted of attempted murder. What happened to J.S.? He was born of good parents, but yet one night when he was a teenager, he went out with some friends, partying, and just to be part of the crowd, he experimented with some drugs. The next thing you know, this good boy born to good parents, taken to church, is is addicted. One a uh, uh, episode with drugs led to another and to another, then anger issues came, his mind wasn't working right, and all of a sudden he loses his temper, and he's charged with attempted murder, and now he's sitting in jail, we think he's worthless. Is there any hope for J.S.? Is there there anyone who would still love him and go by and take some time with him? His life is wrecked. Does he have hope? Does he have future? He's sitting alone. Will bars be his only companion? Let me remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew 25. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And then the righteous answered, and said, and said this, Lord, when saw we thee sick? Or when did we see you in prison, and came to thee? And then the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. The end of the story of J.S. was somebody didn't give up on him. He had a friend who'd swing by every once in a while, visit him in jail, give him the gospel message, tell him he loved him. J.S. got saved. And now he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Her initials, as we leave the jailhouse, we move to a subdivision. Her initials are M.T. She was born with a mental condition. She was 18 years old before her parents could ever potty train her. She'll never sing, Andrew, she'll never sing a special in church. She'll never hear, ladies, who giveth this bride to be married to this man? People stare at her when she goes out in public and at Walmart because she has a mental condition. The people at the church where she attended were unkind, considering her to be a fifth sparrow. Only a liability. The only date that M.T. ever got was when the preacher's son felt sorry for her birthday and took her on a date did you realize that Jesus healed a young man with a demented mind Jesus had been on the mountain and He was so tired, he'd been serving, he'd been working, he'd been doing miracles, he'd been teaching, he'd been preaching. And he'd been on the mountain to rest a little while and they brought to him a young man with a demented mental mind. As a matter of fact, his mind was so messed up, the Bible calls him a lunatic. And Jesus loved him. And Jesus healed him. God help us. To value like Jesus values. He cared enough to reach out with love. His disciples couldn't help this person. But he stretched forth his hands with a cure. Jesus did not count this one person as worthless. Boy, this message is hitting home for me. The fourth, fifth sparrow. His address is Subdivision USA. He's 40 years old. He's never walked. He was born with a condition called spina bifida, which is an open spine. He was born at birth. He was, went through surgeries to have a metal rod inserted in his back so that he could sit up straight then his kidneys fell, Sherman, and his legs were, had to be amputated. He sits in a wheelchair, his legs gone, a rod in his back, but he smiles and he never blames God. Is he valueless? Is he worthless? Not once. Did he ever blame God? And this scene comes to my mind. I went to hear, and I'm not going to tell you who the gospel group was. I went to hear one of the top gospel groups like we have here at times. I went to hear a group in a local church. And boy, they sang, man, they, they, they got up and they sang, and they were all dressed alike, and they sang, and boy, they took us right to the throne room of heaven. What a blessing it was, great harmony, great talent. And then after the singing, they went out to their table, and they were They were talking, all. oh, they were getting their accolades, and people telling them how much they enjoyed their singing. And and they were buying their CDs and buying their T-shirts and hats, and it was all just a wonderful big welcome. And I walked by, and I thought, they're too busy, I'm not going to bother them. But a little boy rolled by in a wheelchair, and I watched to see how those guys would treat that little boy. And he rolled by, and I, I can just see his face now, as he rolled by their table, he looked at all of their CDs and he looked at all of their hats, and he looked at them as they stood there in their three-piece suits and their nicely shaved faces, and their, they were all in that little boy, you could just tell he longed to just get to speak to one of those guys. And I thought, surely one of those guys will notice this little fella and come down from, their, from around their table and get down on one knee and put their arm. You know, when you get down on people's level, they appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Right. And I thought, surely one of those guys, I know them, they're good guys. Surely they'll put their arm around him and say, son, I appreciate you coming today. But the little boy rolled right out the door with longing eyes. And I'm going to tell you something. That's an image. There are several images burned into my mind. And that's one of them. And I I pray that God never lets me forget that. Does Jesus care? Jesus up- sailed, and I preached it about just a few weeks ago that Jesus sailed back from across the sea, healing that demoniac in the tombs. He'd sailed back across the sea to heal a man who was a paraplegic. This man was paralyzed from the neck down. They had to carry him on a stretcher to Jesus, and Jesus valued him so much that the King of heaven, the King of glory, he with all the authority in the world came down from his His high horse and said, I'll heal you. I'll touch you. I'll condescend to men of low estate and I'll be a blessing to you. God help us. The fifth, fifth sparrow. Her address is St. Jude's Hospital. She was born to normal parents. Sweet little girl. Parents that were well-to-do. But one day she got the feeling bad. Mommy, I don't feel good today. Her mother took her to the doctor. Only to find out the diagnosis was leukemia. She's only 10 years old. Without a miracle, she will die. Her parents don't understand how they could could be affluent people and have money and jobs and insurance and how this could happen to them. They don't understand. But it doesn't change the situation. Her dreams are shattered. Her parents are devastated without a miracle. A miracle of man and a miracle of God. She'll die. I think of, in Mark chapter 7, how Jesus sailed all the way into Syrophoenicia to heal one little girl. He valued one little girl. By the way, the Bible says she was a Syrophoenician. That means she was crossbred or half-bred or mixed race. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus didn't care what color her skin was. Jesus didn't care what her social status was. Jesus didn't care what her bank account was. He didn't ask her for her Aetna card or her blue cross and blue shield. He went to help her. (laughs) And he healed her. All Jesus saw was a little girl in need and her mama praying, Will you help my baby? The seventh, fist sparrow, and I've got to move. This is the sixth one, I'm sorry. She lives in a trailer park in Virginia. She has broken her parents' heart. She has gone astray in many ways. The boy that told her, I love you, has run off. And now she's pregnant. Her mind tells her we don't have enough money. Her demographics say we don't have another room here. And her mind drifts to abortion. What's that baby worth? Is that baby an asset? Or is it a liability? Is it a value? Or is it a fifth sparrow? Wow. But yet, I saved one. I saved one for the very, very last. One last fifth sparrow. Valueless. Who is he? Well, this man... The seventh, fifth sparrow was rich, but he was counted worthless. This man had authority, but he was counted to be of no value. He gave everything he had. He gave all of his riches, all of his wealth, all of his majesty, all of his splendor. He gave everything he had to help somebody else. Surely we would value this man. But no, we abused him. We mistreated him. We misused him. We made him an outcast. And by this time now, you can figure I'm not going to give you his initials. His name is Jesus. The value that was placed on the king of glory was 30 pieces of silver. His feet once walked on streets of gold. And now he's worth 30 pieces of silver. He was beaten, whipped, mocked. Counted useless. The Bible says that he came unto his own. And his own received him not. But to as many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. this person that was counted so valueless. Gave his life for a worthless person like me. He gave his life. I'm the useless one. I'm the worthless one. yet he placed so much value on me that he died in my place. Now let me ask us a question. You say, preacher, why did... When he came, why didn't they value him? If this was the king of glory, this was the prophesied one born in Bethlehem, like they said, he was all the miracles. Why did they not value him? Let me ask you a question this morning. Why do we do not value him? Why do we, he's blessed us, he's been so good to us, he's saved us, he's given us his spirit, he's given us everything in the world, and yet we walk on him like he is of no value. You say, preacher, is Jesus a fifth sparrow? Yes, he is. But I'm grateful for people who value him. I'm grateful for people who say, Lord, I realize what you did for me. I realize what you've given me and how you've blessed me. Lord, I realize your value and your worth. And this morning, I'm going to assemble in the house of God. And I'm going to give. I'm going to give back a portion that you've blessed me with. I'm going to be in here and honor you with my presence. I'm going to give you my praise. I'm going to sing. I'm going to glorify your name. Lord, you are worthy. God. Help us to value the one who is worthy. God help us to not treat him as the fifth sparrow. I'm through preaching. Lisa, if you'll come to the piano. Everybody stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you don't treasure him now. But one day you'll stand before him and wish you had treasured him. You'll wish you had served him and loved him. I'm going to ask you this morning, if this message spoke to your heart, if God touched your heart, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and just come to the altar. I don't want to know what's on your heart. I don't want to know how God touched your heart. Why don't you slip out and say, Lord, make your value system my system. Anybody at all? We wait for just a moment. God, help me to value Christ. Above everything, God helped me to value others above myself and put myself last. God changed my value system to match yours. Would there be one here this morning to say, Preacher... I'm not saved. I don't know Christ. I realize that he died for me. I realize that he loved me. I realize without Christ, I'm going to hell. Preacher, I don't want to do that. Would you slip up your hand quickly? Anybody at all? Preacher, I'm I'm lost. I'm not saved. Anybody at all? We wait for just a moment. And then church, as I close the message, thank you for your attention. She's playing the song, does Jesus care? I know he cares, his heart is touched with my grief. When the days are dreary, the long nights weary, I know my Savior cares for me. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Brother Brian, would you come and dismiss us,
1: please? We just thank you for the message we've heard, Lord. We thank you just for the spirit that we feel this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that each of us, Lord, would have a desire to put you first in our lives, Lord, just to give you the value that's so rightly yours, Lord. Yet, if we're honest, we could all say that more often than not, Lord, we don't put you in your right place, Lord. We put our own needs and the needs of our short-sightedness, Lord, above that which we truly need. So, Lord, this week, Lord, I just pray that we'd make a commitment, Lord, to put you first in our life, Lord, to look for opportunities to share you with someone else, Lord. Lord, I just thank you again for the privilege you give us together in your house, Lord, just the freedom we have for worship this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that there be one here that doesn't know you, Lord, as their personal Lord and Savior, that you wouldn't let them leave this place without getting that settled, Lord, knowing that we can have a no-so salvation, and we don't have to hope so. And, Lord, as we go our separate ways now, Lord, I just pray we, we just reflect on how good you are to us, Lord. We just thank you for your goodness shown us, Lord, in our families, Lord, in our situations, Lord, even in our health, Lord. And I just pray we just put a smile on our face, Lord, and just say it's been good to be in your house today. Give us a desire to be back in your house on Wednesday and the next week as well, Lord. And we just want to thank you and praise you for what you desire to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.